to. So um, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 John chapter 2 and then put a finger over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, the series was birthed out of this scripture in 1 John chapter 2 that says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So the series is titled, Be Careful, because we need to just do that. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. If you call yourself a Christian, Christian means little Christ. So we should walk as Jesus did. And the Full Life Study Bible goes on to contend against this misunderstanding of the doctrine of grace and salvation. That's what we're still dealing with today. That people like screaming grace, grace, grace and do whatever you want to do and God has to forgive you. Have you heard that one before? I mean, I remember when Brian and I was first married, I think two years into our marriage, Isaiah was just born, and I had a Christian sister come from the church and tell me because I was going through some marital problems that it was okay for me to get a divorce and then just ask God to forgive me later. And I thought, ooh, hey, that'll work. <laughs> Why not? That sounds good. All my problems solved. But that one just did not set well with me. But that's what we're still contending with today. This this faith or this grace and, and, you know, the salvation. that there There is a command, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do as I command. Right? Uh, going on to say, uh, John, he opposed these teachers who taught that forsaking a sinful life was optional for the believer. They declared that one can legitimately claim to know God in a saving relationship and at the same time be indifferent to God's will and his commands. Those who make such a claim, John states, are liars and do not have God's truth in them. The attempt to be justified through faith in Christ without a commitment to walk as Jesus did is doomed to failure. So we need to be careful. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear, right? Careful, little mouth. We talked about the mouth. We talked about our, our mind. Today we're going to talk about our heart. And next week we'll talk about our hands doing what Jesus. But all six of these things need to be working together. You don't just get to pick and choose. Well, uh, I'll make sure that I always think good things. But I can kind of do what I want to do. Again, it needs all six of these going together. So I'm going to forego going through the update of these last five weeks. If you haven't heard them, please get the, um, they have those flat little disc things still, those CDs. Um, or you can listen online, podcast, or um, on our website. But before I get started, because... First service, it seemed like all of a sudden this doom and gloom came over everybody when I started preaching. When, when you hear, when God reveals a word to you that seems to hurt, it's a good thing. 
Okay? It don't when you turn inward and, and then start going, oh look at how wretched and oh I'm just horrible and I don't do this and I don't that's not God's intention. He shows you something in you, or he shows a truth, and in you it reflects something maybe that shouldn't be there. It's not so you go away and slip a bag over your head and you know kick the can and how horrible you are. It's like the illustration of the mirror. You know, you don't go looking into the mirror to see how hideous you are. I'm so hideous. Oh, don't look at me. I'm a monster. Right? You go to think, what can I kind of like slap on and fluff up to make me look a little bit more presentable, right? Well, it's kind of like that trusted friend that says, you know, you got something right there. Right there. They don't say that to go, look, ha! They, they're like, hey, you, you need to get that something right there, okay? Kind of like that, okay? So as if you start to feel a little, ooh, ugh, okay, it's not God trying to spank you. It's him trying to say, you know, you got something right there. <laughs> you, you, you need to get that, you know, clean. It's okay. Lay that down. You don't need that. Fluff that up, you know, whatever it is, okay? So if you start to like a snail pull back into your shell, that's not God for you, okay? God is so you continue to move forward. You don't need this. You don't need that. Keep moving forward, okay? There. And it was funny because God said, you need to share that with him before you get started in the message for second service. And, I, and then he started giving me this illustration. It's like, you know, when you're coming close to the sun. Sometimes you get burnt, Right? Now, do you run and never go out in the sun again? No, you get a little burnt the next time, and then that kind of tans, and then you get a little closer, and it kind of tans, and then you, you can stay longer and longer and longer in the sun, right? I like to tan. I like going to the tanner. I know you're all going to preach at me later. Forget it. But it had been a while since I had tanned. And let me just say, I even cut back on my time. They, they were so good. They're like, it's got new bulbs. You might not want to go as long and cut back on the time. And I got a little close to the sun, and there was a, a solar eclipse. And things got burnt that weren't supposed to get burnt. But, you know, that, that whole illustration in my mind, it's okay, because next time you're going to be able to stay longer in the sun. So now that you're all thinking about the lunar eclipse, stop it. Solar eclipse. Yeah. There's a solar eclipse. Sun, the moon. Come. Never mind. But it's okay when God points things out. Please don't run from them. Okay? It, it's not a, you know, you ever have to spank one of your children and then they walk around like you killed their dog for the next week and you're like, hey, that was over a week ago, you know? Just wanted you, you know, don't do that anymore. Now let's go on. Okay. All right. So happy spankings today. No, no, no. Okay. So this week we're going to be focusing on the heart. Be careful who you love and how you love. Be careful who you love and how you love. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. 
Now, according to Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of all commands? Remember? He says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. And he said, all the commands, all the law, all the prophets, everything, hangs on this. It's the good four-letter word. All right? It's the one thing that you need to focus on. Because if you just focus on this, everything else is fulfilled. But we kind of shrug our shoulders and, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I know that, but. You know, how many times have you sat down with somebody who's having a relationship problem, let's say it that way, and you try to give them encouraging words from 1 Corinthians 13, you know, about what love is. And, you know, is this the way you've been loving your, your spouse or your friend or whatever? And they go, eh, yeah, but. It's not that complicated. We've gotten really good the more mature we get to overcomplicate things. And we need to strip it back and get back to simple Simple, simple, four-letter word. We all can spell this one, right? If you can't, you can at least, you know, draw it, I guess, big heart. Love. And if it guards, listen, it, deter it says guard your heart for it determines the course of your life, your entire life. It's like that, it's like a compass, where it's not the destination, it gets you to your destination. And so all of a sudden, you know, like the shopping cart that always goes this way and you're trying to pull it back this way and then it goes this way. Sometimes you get off track a little bit. Seems like I'm constantly getting offended, easily angered. It feels like I've got a short, you know, burning the candle at both ends. Is that what they say? A short fuse. I mean, throw up all the analogies you can think of. It's because of that cart keeps pulling that one way. Well, your compass is off and it needs to be recalibrated. Your love is off and it needs to be recalibrated because let's just be honest, it's easy to sin. It's easy to be selfish. It's a lot harder to stay focused, right? So when that's what the he gives us he gives us these basic instructions before leaving earth the bible basic pretty simple do this oh it's that compass now is this how i'm loving is this who i'm supposed to love so we need to focus on who we love god first then others and how we love them so love God first. Dear children, it says, 1 John 5, 21, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Anything. I mean, Jesus commanded, you know, that there be a single devotion to God first. He made some real, what we would think, harsh statements when he said stuff like, unless you hate your mother, or your brother, you know, your sister, unless you hate them, you're not worthy to follow me. What? I'm not supposed to hate anybody. No, he was sharing with them the contradiction. See, we think love, love, love. We'll all love God together. Well, it's got to be God first. 
for you to even be able to love them. Somebody just asked me the other day, you know, oh, that's right. If there's an order, is, isn't it God first, then the church, then your family? Or is it, I forget, was the order that, and I said, it's just God first. Everything else is second. You don't even have to line them up, third, fourth, or fifth. It's just God first. Everything else is second. And if it's not God first, if I can't, if I can't have that single devotion and that love draw from God first, I can't possibly love my husband like I'm supposed to. I can't possibly love you like I'm supposed to. Love others how I'm supposed to. Because in my tank, actually we're not even created as a tank. We're created as a, almost like a tunnel, if you would say so, where, where we plug into him and it goes right out to somebody else. It's not for us anymore. The minute we plug into God, it's not about us anymore. So get you off your mind. It's about others. God has to be first. Like I shared last week, it's that marriage relationship. Come on, it's, it's so simple. I love it when he lines spiritual things up with physical symbols that we can see. Oh, our spiritual relationship. That's going to bug me. <laughs> we'll put it over there, Jason, wherever he went. Here it is, okay? But he lines up the physical things we can see with the spiritual things for our understanding. So the way that you say yes, completely unhindered, devoted, I'm all yours in a marriage relationship is the same thing we do with God unhindered, singular devotion, nobody else, you first, you first. Uh, in Matthew 6, 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, he'll be devoted to one, he'll despise the other. Now he was going on, he was explaining about the love of money. But you'll, you know, you can't serve both God and money. Well, that has to do with money. Yeah, but if we're looking at a, a relationship, a love relationship, falling in love with God and having that marriage relationship with God, tell me that your marriage will last if you promise to only devote your physical being to your spouse, but financially they're on their own. God, I'm going to give you all of me, but not my money. No. no. And a matter of fact, it can't even happen that way because he says wherever your treasure is, there's your heart. He's trying to get to your heart, to that single devotion, but he can't even do it because you keep hiding your heart right in the middle of your treasure. So he's like, you know, he's trying to separate the two, but we keep putting them both together. So it's all in. It's everything, just like a marriage relationship. There's a warning to loving God first. See, it's, a, um, big, it's our biggest hindrance to loving God first is simple. It's selfishness. Why don't we go all in with God, every resource, everything, financially, physically, emotionally, God, 
center of my heart, God? Why don't selfishness? In 2 Timothy, which I had you turn there, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's an actual uh, warning signs of the last days. No, where did you go? Timothy left my Bible. Oh, there he is. It says godlessness in the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. It says have nothing to do with them. They, and they worm their way into, listen, Selfishness is loving yourself, right? It says they're lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. But then he says he's, they're without love. Because there's a difference between the world's love, selfish love, and God's definition of love. They're completely without love, yet they love themselves, they love pleasure, they love money, because that, we just had Valentine's Day, which I think is so neat that God has lined up these last few messages right along with uh, what we're currently going through. But you probably know somebody who's looking for love, right? The one, right? They're looking for them. Or they're married or they have a significant other and they're waiting for that other one to do something. Do something for me. I hope they do this. I hope they do that. And, oh, why? Because they're sucking love off them. I need this. They better give me this. I want this. They better give me this. I'm looking for this. And let me just say, ladies, I've said this a hundred times before. If you're watching those chick flicks, give them up. There will be special altar time over here for you. And every man, you can go ahead and thank me later for saying this. Because what happens is when you watch those chick flicks, you see the perfect man saying all the perfect things. Even the lighting changes when he walks in the room and he's got his own music that comes behind him. He always looks good, says the right words, does the right things, sweeps them away, carries, oh, right, at the end. And then you look at your spouse and go, why can't you be like that? Right? Why? Because you're 
The world has taught us to suck our love tank from others. And it's a selfish tank. I need this from you. I need this from you. Why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? And it's a selfish love sucking. This warning that we're looking at is that love sucking selfishness. He says it's a form of God. They have a form of godliness, which tells me it's a, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I go to church. Oh, I love God. But denying its power. Okay, then are you living the love? Oh, yeah, but. Oh, oh yeah, but. You don't know my situation. You don't know who I live with. The yeah, buts. You ever heard them? The yeah, buts. You're trying to give them truth, and they always have the yeah, buts. We can't afford to bend the word to our situation. Bending the word of God to your situation is creating a lie. Truth is truth, and it stands strong. That power that they're denying is the truth that will set them free. It's the power they need when they apply the truth as it is in its simple form to their life. It will set you free. I am adamant at saying this, and I know I upset a couple people first service, but I believe divorce would be um, gone in the church if more Christians would live the 1 Corinthians 13 love. Amen. That were commanded, called greatest commandment to love like this. There would be no divorce. And I'm stating that from a lady who went through separation on the edge of divorce ourselves and tell somebody love me enough to say, um, uh, Brenda, you got something right there. You need to get rid of that. And I'm like, what? Me? No, him. You know, it was him. They're like, what he does is nothing, means nothing to what you're supposed to do. You, you got something right there. Okay. So I've been through, I'm living through this. When you're married, you don't get to go, oh, all my dreams are answered. Honey, you got double trouble now. <laughs> Double trouble. That's why Paul says, I would wish that none of you get married. <laughs> he probably had enough counseling sessions. He's like, you don't want this. So it, because it's, it's not a, when you're single, when you live in a house and there's nobody else in that house but you, you can be a really good Christian. Yeah. I mean, I heard pastors say this before, and I know it's bad, but um, ministry would be wonderful without people. <laughs> it's hard because we're commanded, we're called to. This is how we're to love others. Not draw love from others, but always be loving. Love God first, then others. Did I even get to others yet? No, I'm still on the selfishness. Yeah. Moving on. Loving others. We draw from God's love, this pure love, for others. Like I said, once we plug into God, it's not about us anymore. 
Not at all. Your wants, your needs, my heart, and I wish, fluttery feelings. You know, I got spanked not too long ago over this whole, I don't even know. I wasn't even watching a chick flick. I like the war going after, ah, you know, I love those kind of movies. I do. The, yeah, anyway. But in the middle of this good movie, they slipped in a love story, and it's like, oh, gee. You know, and I remember going up to my bedroom and thinking, you know, I'll never feel that way. And God says, what, am I not enough? I went, oh, God, I'm so sorry. That's right. I turned my, if you want to call it, my attention to draw from, from him. And all of a sudden, I'm empty because I, I started reaching for something else or someone else. I'm like, what? No, of course, you're the one. See, it's that compass that's got to draw us back. God's got to be first. And then once we're plugged in, it's not about us. It's for for others, not from others, for others. I mean, think about some of these things that Jesus said. As the Father sent me, how did he send him? To die. Well, that's right, to die for others. He says, now I send you. No love, no greater love as any man than this, than he lays down his life for another. He said, the world will know that I love them by the love you have for each other. Our command to love others is not just for the some, not just for the ones that we like, not just for the ones that we choose. It's for everyone, for all. Our love for God first, then his love through us for all. Command. This is the two greatest. Come on. The greatest command, this four-letter word, and we just become so familiar with it, we shrug our shoulders and go, oh, yeah. We make it all about an emotion. It's not about an emotion at all. At all. It's action, period. It's doing, period. It's not about the fluffy feelings that you'll get like watching the chick flicks. That's fake. It's all fake. It's a facade. The greatest hindrance to loving others, and I'm going to make this statement and then I'll explain it, is jealousy. You're like, well, I don't even deal with jealousy. Mm. Most of us do, be, but because it takes so many different forms, we don't even realize it is jealousy. Our greatest hindrance to loving others is jealousy, which is withholding love from others who don't perform to our expectation. That's the simplest definition I could come up with. Now listen, because one of the definitions for jealousy is actually fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. Listen, here's a couple of examples. A friend who, according to your expectations, should be calling to check on you. Well, why should I call and check on them then if they don't call and check on me? Withholding love based on somebody else's or your expectation of somebody else. 
A spouse who, according to your expectations, should be giving more attention to you. So why should I cater to him? A homeless person who, according to your expectations, should go get a job. So why should I give him my hard-earned cash? The greatest hindrance to loving others is jealousy. Withholding love from somebody else who doesn't perform to your expectation. Galatians 5 lists jealousy as one of the acts of the sinful nature. And then it goes on to say that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The first murder took place because of jealousy. Cain killed Abel out of jealousy. God's response, though, was he, he asked Cain, he said, Will you not be accepted if you just do good? And then he gives them this warning. He says, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to have you. It's crouching at your door. Jealousy is crouching at the door waiting. Its desire is to have you. Oh, look what they did. Or oh, look what they're not doing. You can't do Don't do anything for them. What do you do? Its desire is to have you, to keep that love pulled back, pulled in. You're, it wants you to be vigilant. Hold on to your rights. You have rights. You have, uh, you know, they can't treat you like that. Friendships are broken. Marriages end up in divorce because one didn't perform the way we expected. I can assure you that's not love. Jealousy is a heart issue. Your heart, your issue. Nobody else is responsible for your heart. For the health of your heart. You are. Over and over again, God says, don't, you know, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart fear. Do not let your heart. That means he gave you all authority over where your heart goes. You, your heart, your issue, you're in control. James 3.16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Both of them right there. Jealousy, withholding love from others, and selfish ambition, withholding love from God. And you'll have every kind of evil, it says. How you like that one? It's crouching at the door. How we love. How, oh good, they never even started the countdown clock. <laughs> Plenty of time. How we love. Listen, we have to constantly be recalibrating that this love that we're commanded to love God first, love others, must be defined as this 1 Corinthians 13. 
definition, God's definition, four verses, that's all, fulfills this entire Bible. Love like this, love like this, love like this. And I love in the first Corinthians 13, the first three verses, it goes through. You can have all this wisdom. You can have all the knowledge of the ages. You can do all this. You can, you know, give away all you have to the poor. You can even surrender your body to the flames. But if you have not love, you gain nothing. He says it over and over again. It all hinges on love. And then, thank goodness, God is so good to it. He lays it out specifically what love is. So there's that, that compass. That, okay, am I loving like this or am I loving like the world? Am I sucking love from other people or am I plugging into God and loving other people? See, you, when you step into a marriage and see, this is why people don't ask me to perform weddings anymore. Because <laughs> I think it got around to some young adults that, oh, do you don't want her, you know, because I, when I do the premarital counseling, you don't want her talking to you. If you're coming into a marriage based on what that other person makes you feel like or does for you, you're wrong. You should never get married. It will not last. I won't sign the papers. If you're coming into the marriage because that person makes you feel, this, this is one my heart sings for. It's selfishness and it's wrong and it should be off the table. It's all done. Walk away from it now. It won't last because that's not love. And I'll tell you, it's like the solar eclipse burns my biscuits when I set into a wedding and hear them quote the first Corinthians 13, love is, and then they say these vows and, and I'll always be there for you. And I'm thinking you're going to be sitting in my office in a couple weeks because you don't understand. Cause I've already heard the way you've been talking leading up to the wedding. He does this for me. She does that for me. He does this and he's love. <laughs> What have you done for him? What do you do for him and not expect back from her? You know? Because we don't understand. This is love. And he gets so simple. Listen. Love is patient. Which means it's always waiting on the other. Mm. Love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it's not rude. Too many people are just plain rude nowadays. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. There it is again. Oh, I hope he does this. Oh, I hope she does this. It's not easily angered. Love keeps no records, no record of wrongs. Now, let me also say... That also means no record of rights. Well, I've done this. I've done that. I've done, I always do this and I always do that. What do you do? <laughs> Love don't keep any records of your rights. Keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil. God, just get him. Just get him, Lord. Make him pay for treating me like that. Does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. You got something right there. Thank you for telling me that. 
Thank you. That one burned my biscuits a little bit, but thank you. Thank you. Love rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Listen, I just had a, a, a what would you call it? A difference of um, opinions. Anyway, with a family member, love dearly. They saw the Bible saying this. I see the Bible saying that. We sat down in love. We laid it out. This is, you know, line it up with the nature like I've been teaching you guys to do, right? Line it up. Ask these simple questions. Can you see that? And they couldn't see that. And I couldn't see what they were seeing. And, you know, but we weren't arguing. We weren't being mean. We weren't, you know, angered about it. We were just communicating. And in love... We came, I said, well, I guess we just have to agree to disagree for now, but that's okay. God says he'll show that, you know, whatever it is. I said, if it's me, I'm okay. You know, I'll bend. You know, if it's you, that's fine, whatever. You, you realize that in a family that you don't all have to agree to be family. That we're... We can all have differences at different times, but still be a family and still move together and love each other and be plugged in with each other, okay? Because uh, if you know a family who never has a disagreement, would you please introduce me to them? I want to see one. Haven't yet. I'd like to see one. But it's okay. And then we came to the place where, you know, we don't, we don't agree, um, they felt like they needed to leave, and I, I blessed them in that. No hard feelings. I love you. And then I grabbed a hold of them, and I said, I want you to know I will always protect your character, that you'll never hear or let me hear of somebody slandering you, your name, your belief, whatever. I will always protect you, always believe the best for you, always hope for you, always pray for you. Always love you. Amen. Whether we agree or not, it's not pick and choose who you do this to. It's love all, and this is how we love them. Always protects. Always trusts. Listen, that's motivation of the heart. You don't know the motivation of other people's hearts. So you have to. It's an action to always trust. Their motives are good. Their intentions are good. It's, a, it's an action. You have to be determined to do this. Always trust. Always hopes. That's believing the best. Always believe the best. And always, I like it, he threw this one in there too, always perseveres. Persevering is not just patient waiting. Persevering means to continue to do what you're doing, do the good you're doing, even in the face of opposition. To continue to do it. Well, what if he doesn't? Doesn't matter. Well, what if she? Doesn't matter. See, true love is not contingent upon the recipient. True love matters nothing what the other person is going to do, has done, will do. It doesn't matter. You... Drawing from God, loving God first, you draw from his love to others, to everyone. How long? 
on and on and on and on. This love, verse 8 says, this love never fails. Divorces, which in the church right now are as high, if not topping higher than outside the church. Divorces. Why? Because we're forgetting how to love. Because if we were loving like this, there would be no divorces. There would be no broken relationships. No schisms in families. Because love just always loves. Doesn't give up. It's that compass. Listen, and I know this because God just took me through this. And I'm only going over because other people, okay? So if you start looking at your watch, okay. I just went through this at home. God loves taking me through something and then saying, okay, now I want you to preach about that. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's always been said that the pastor lives in a glass house. Well, I tried to put, you know, stuff when curtains and everything, but then God's like, look at this, you know? <laughs> like, makes me always share it. But anyway, I was mad, right? I mean, I was mad. And I walked away and I'm washing the dishes and God's like, why are you mad? Well, he knows that. I and I just saw this. I mean, I had like a list of stuff, right? In my mind. As soon as God said, why are you mad? This list just appeared. I had, I don't know. I couldn't read them all. They just, I knew them. And this big red stamp went over each one of them. Selfish. 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 And I went, oh man. I was demanding him to come back and apologize to me for him not performing something I expected him to do. I want, he didn't perform the way I thought he should. Selfish. Jealousy. Because at first that's what, you know, he said, you're, you're jealous. I'm like, I'm not jealous. I don't care. He can do whatever he wants to do. I'm not jealous. That's not the definition. The only definition of jealousy. It's expecting, it's withholding love because of you expected them to do something one way or the other and they didn't do it. So you withhold love. It's jealousy. And I saw that and I'm like, oh, selfish. I had to go back and apologize. I said, I'm sorry. I got mad because I expected you to do something that I didn't just ask you to do. <laughs> yeah. Next time you get mad, or maybe you were just mad. So it won't be hard for you to think about this. But next time you get mad, ask yourself, why am I mad? I can assure you, probably the majority of the time, it's selfishness. It's a selfish uh, assumption or expectation that the other person didn't live up to. So our compass must be love. I am closing right now. Amy, it's all your fault because you didn't come back up here. That we went a little over. But there's, 
you know, there's a couple things I didn't say first service, and I started to um, breeze right over them. I'm going to go back to them. Because, listen, there's some things that, where we're just kind of like that cart, we're just, we tend to go this way once in a while, and sometimes we're pretty good, and we're like, oh, don't do that. We apologize, we go back on. But it's like that cart with that wheel that it constantly goes this way. Stop struggling with it. You just need to take that heart back to God and say, you need to cali recalibrate this thing. Because uh, it keeps leaning this way. <laughs> right? And you can't fix it yourself. Listen, when you start feeling agitated or easily angered or, you know, I say short, but you know what I mean. It's because your tank's empty. And you're trying to perform love acts that you're not capable in yourself to produce. You can't. You cannot, a worldly person, even as good as they could possibly be, right? Grandma Anna, without Jesus, still could not live up to this love list. This definition without God. But a simple calibration might be all some of you need. Some of you in here, though, might need a total heart transplant. God, this thing's heart calloused. It, it's been around the block a few times. It's been beat up. It's been abused. It's been ripped out. It's been stomped on. Here it is, God. And he promises in his word, he'll take that stone cold heart, that calloused heart, and he'll give you a heart of flesh. But like, I, like I've told you before, God told me this actually back when Brian and I were separating, that I cannot heal what you continue to hide. So if you're constantly pulling back and saying, oh, well, I can fix that. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, I can do that. He can't. He can't do anything. He can't heal it if you're hiding it. He can't give you a new heart of flesh if you're holding on to your calloused one saying, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll fix this one. It'll be all right. He can't heal it. You have to give it up. You have to fill up on him in order to be able to love others as you're commanded to love. God first, then others. And listen, the instruction I got back that I kind of breezed over was that some of you have lost your first love with God. And in Revelations, that was the warning, or I have this against you, God says to the church at Ephesus, that you've lost your first love. Do you know that there's supposed to be a joy in loving God? There's supposed to be a joy in loving others. If you don't find it a joy when you're loving others, persevering in it, not getting angered, no, patiently waiting, believing that if you don't feel a joy to do that, you're losing your first love. Return to me the joy of my salvation. And his warning or his um, encouragement to the church at Ephesus was, you've lost your first love, so go 
back and do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first to regain that love again. I mean, again, like a relationship. Uh, the little notes. Remember the little notes? Remember the little one flowers just because? The little, hey, I planned a date night. Come on, let's go. Do those little things. Remember those times when you were first saved that you used to just odd at just the littlest words that you would see in the word. That you used to love to just put on the worship music, shut your bedroom door, and just dance like a fool. Naked before the dog. No, don't do that. The dog will need to get saved after that. Do the things you've done at first to regain that first love. So let's stand. I want us to close out in, in a... If you're here today and you don't have that sold out commitment relationship with God as your number one, then today's your day. And I want to pray with you, Pastor Neil, Deborah, any one of us at the altar wants to pray with you. You have to have that. He's got to be number one. Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe over your you know, years, you've kind of pushed God off from. He said, guard your heart above all else. Don't let anything else take God's place in your heart. Maybe some other things have done that and you just need to recommit. God, nothing else. I abandon all. I'm all yours. Today's your day and we want to pray with you. For some of you, like I said, it's a you need to spend some time with God and God, I need a recalibration of this heart of mine so that I can begin loving. Drawing from you first, God. Love from you first to be able to love others like you're calling me to. And some of you were here and you need a whole heart transplant. We want to pray with you too. All right. So I'm going to open up the altars, but God gave me a word during worship. And I wrote it down so I would say it correctly. Because there's also, and I didn't get this first service. It was only for this service. Physical pain that you're experiencing now will be healed with spiritual repentance. Physical pain that you're feeling now is going to be healed with spiritual repentance. And I ask him, what does that mean? Um, okay, we're talking about the heart. You've been having heart issues, physical heart issues. A repentance for spiritual heart issues. You'll see a healing come over that heart physically. Um, uh, a mind. You, you're having whatever name, you know, your thoughts or, or mind. Physical, physical pain. With spiritual repentance, you're going to have your healing today. So, and I saw, I saw legs, I saw feet for spiritual walking.
God's called you at one time to do this, to go this way. You went that way and physical pain hit you in that area. And with spiritual repentance will come your physical healing. Spiritual repentance will come your physical healing um, knees I saw knees that God's called you to pray over this issue and you refuse to and now you've got knee problems you know I saw all these different things a, a back problem because and I heard that he wanted you to bend in a certain area and you refused and you have physical back problems now now I'm not trying to name them all I'm just giving you the examples that he was giving me but you call out spiritual repentance and I believe you know whoever you are what that issue is your physical pain and if you have any physical pain maybe you're thinking oh it's not for me if you have any physical pain apply this word of knowledge and see is it for me is it for me is my healing waiting on my spiritual repentance in this area for whatever it is? All right. So let's just go to God right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. I like that, that it can get right in there, Lord, and cut out, cut out those, those dead things, those distracting things. The things that have slipped in, that, that godlessness in the last days, that selfishness. And it can slip in there and cut those things away. I thank you for your word. It's so simple, yet so powerful. That if we just apply it, if we, if we just take it as truth and apply it to our life, that's the power that we need for healing. That's the power we need for freedom for breakthrough. Thank you, God, for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you begin to just do what you do so well and speak to hearts. Speak to hearts right now. Speak to hearts. Speak to hearts. Speak to hearts. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move. Speak to hearts right now. Speak to hearts right now. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Come on, let's press in. Your answer's here today. I kept hearing that when we were on our knees was um, one is here. The one is here. The one is here. The one is here that has all your answers. The one is here that has your healing. The one is here that has your freedom. The one is here that has all the answers. Everything you need, he's already here. Come on, let's press in. Let's pray for each other. So let's spend some time at the altar. If that's you and you've got a, a whatever, you need somebody to pray with you, we're praying for each other today. Come on, let's press in. Holy Spirit, do your work, do your work, do your work, do your work. Mm. 